Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Lori's Hands Community Voices series. I'm your host, Jennifer McCord. Each week, we hear from a different client of Lori's Hands about their lives and stories, and we think about the ways that that person's life experience can teach us about health. If you're new here, we're glad you've joined us. And you're welcome to start here, since each episode can be enjoyed on its own. And if you haven't yet, we encourage you to take a listen to our intro episode, which gives you some background on Lori's Hands, the organization that links all of the people you'll hear from in these episodes. This week, you'll meet Tom Brockenbro. To make a more official introduction, here's Maggie Ratnayaka, the program director for Lori's Hands. When I think of Tom, the word that comes to my mind is genuine. Uh, I love seeing him together with his students because the love and care they have for one another is just so deep. Tom was interviewed by Emily Carbaum and me. Emily is a student at the Erickson School of Aging Studies, which is a program at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, or UMBC. In our conversation, Tom talked about engineering's role in Delaware, the relationship between the University of Delaware and the city of Newark, and his insights from a lifelong love. Enjoy. What do I enjoy doing in my free time? Well, actually, I don't have a lot of free time. Well, that's a matter of a part of view. Meet Tom Brockenbro. Tom turned 100 years old last summer. He lives on his own in Newark, Delaware, in a house that's a quick drive from the University of Delaware campus, where Tom used to teach civil engineering. Tom has been retired from engineering for years now, but he still stays up to date with the trade. I uh, do a lot of time reading. I read quite a number of technical publications, so primarily about steel and concrete. And Tom still thinks like an engineer. During our interview, Emily asked Tom to walk us through his typical day. Tom has engineered his morning routine with precision. Well, I get up about 6.30 in the morning, and the first thing I'll do is to have breakfast. I uh, try to uh, get into the kitchen before 7 o'clock and fix my breakfast, and I'll be through my breakfast by 7.30, and then I go to my rocking chair, or looking at my newspapers for a half hour or so. And then I like to oh, make up the bed and brush my teeth, things like that. And uh, that would be 8.30 while I do my exercises. Okay, I know that engineering is one of those professions where people assume that if that's your job, it's also your whole personality. So I want to be clear, this pragmatism and precision is just one of many sides Tom has, as you'll come to see. But engineering is kind of a big deal in Delaware. It's one of UD's strongest programs. Several major engineering companies are headquartered in Delaware. And Tom is an engineer who used to teach at UD. So I feel lucky that we got to talk to him, since in that way, he's the embodiment of this very Delaware thing. And with Tom, it feels like engineering is in his genes. He told us that his dad worked in construction, which Tom reminded us is part of civil engineering. And Tom's son is a structural engineer, just like Tom was. Tom grew up in a small town in Virginia. He went to Virginia Polytechnic Institute for college and graduated just after Pearl Harbor. 
So he went right to work for an aircraft manufacturer and did structural design of aircraft until the end of World War II. Then he went to MIT for his master's, got a job at a different aircraft company, and then decided that he wanted to teach. He taught at Virginia Tech for three years, and then, in 1953, he took a job at the University of Delaware to teach civil engineering. I mean, uh, for years I taught surveying, but uh, I was primarily a structures person, so primarily I was teaching structural analysis, uh, concrete design, steel design, bridge design, but when we needed somebody to teach transportation, I taught transportation. Today, the University of Delaware has over 18,000 students. But back then, enrollment was right around 1,800. A few other things were different, too. The computers we had, if you want to use that term, were called slide rules. I'm going to be honest. When Tom told us this, I couldn't even picture what a slide rule looked like. Tom tried to help us out. It had uh, three parts. The uh, middle part would slide between the two outer parts, and you could use them to multiply and divide and uh, raise numbers to power, and uh, typically about 10, 12 inches long, but uh, pocket ones, three or four inches. Eventually, the engineering department did get a computer, just one. And on one hand, a single computer for an entire engineering program seems like it would have been in very high demand. But Tom says since none of their workflows depended on computers yet, you could walk up and use it anytime you wanted. Beyond his teaching role at the university, Tom also took on roles involved with student life. For several years, Tom was the chairman of what was called the Student Personnel Problems Committee. When the students had, say, misbehaved in some way or another, they would come up before the dean, and we would interview them and try to find out what was wrong and why. Tom says he doesn't remember any specific cases anymore, which is fair. This was all decades ago. I'd hope Tom might remember a juicy story of some disciplinary hearing. But even if he did remember specifics, my guess is the story would not be one of pranks and punishment. His approach to the job was from higher ground. We looked upon ourselves as a committee that would try to find out not only what happened, but why it happened and what needed to be done about it. Our effort was really to help the students along and not to punish them. As a junior faculty member, Tom was also required to serve as a residence hall mentor. Tom was in charge of a dorm of about 90 freshman guys. And at the same time, a woman named Mary Lou was in charge of a women's dormitory on South Campus. And it was common for residence hall mentors to all, as Tom says it, take meals together in the dining hall. And uh, that's where we got acquainted And a quick note, just to set the scene of these dining hall meals that Tom and Mary Lou shared. If you were picturing cafeteria tables and clattering plastic plates, scratch that. Tom told us that back in the day, the dining halls were more like restaurants, with tablecloths and servers. But even without that more romantic atmosphere, it sounds like Tom and Mary Lou would have hit it off. We fell in love quite quickly, and we knew after a week's time that we were really made for each other. I asked Tom how he knew so quickly. Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, There's just something about people in terms of who they are, 
what they believe in and what's important to them. Oh, she was a wonderful person in every sense of the word. Tom and Mary Lou got married just a year after they met and spent the next 62 years together. I could go on and on about Mary Lou, but uh, we uh, enjoyed much together. We traveled into Europe several times and uh, San Francisco. Oh, she was on church activities like I was, so I was on committees and uh, she was on committees and that was another opportunity for us to uh, work on things together, you know. I don't ever remember her speaking to me or vice versa with a raised voice. It was a very, very peace-loving uh, relationship. Just couldn't imagine being married to any other person with the same amount of uh, satisfaction. Mary Lou died in 2016. Tom still lives in the house where they raised their two kids together and where, later in life, he cared for her through her diabetes and dementia. Emily, who is considering a career in occupational therapy, wondered if Tom made any changes in their home once Mary Lou got sick. We had done such things as eliminating throw rugs, you know, and putting up grab bars so that uh, she could uh, hold on to those. Later on, when Mary Lou lost her vision, Tom helped feed her meals. When she could no longer go up and down stairs, Tom had a bedroom and bathroom added onto the first floor of their home. And when her doctors recommended Mary Lou move into a nursing facility, Tom chose instead to hire a full-time caregiver at home so they could still live together. There's an expression about being in love, and I think that fits quite well. We were in love from the very first until the very last, and I can remember when she had a dementia, saying to her a number of times, I would say, Mary Lou, I don't care what you say, or what you do, I will always love you. And, of course, their love story started at the University of Delaware, where Tom has some sweet collegiate memories of their early days as well. When we were first married, we were young. We were all that much older than students, so we went to every basketball game, football game. We wouldn't miss a one, and... Uh, before the football games, there'd be a parade up the mall, and there'd be cheerleaders up there in front of old college, and we would yell and scream, you know. <laughs> that was great fun. As I mentioned in the intro episode, I myself am a graduate of the University of Delaware, a blue hen. And every blue hen knows about the kissing arches, these arches that divide the north and south halves of campus, which back in Tom's day were how campus split up the men's dorms and the women's. As the campus tour guides tell the story, everyone had to be back on their side of campus by a certain hour. So couples would walk together to these arches in the middle and kiss goodnight. So as a blue hen, and I confess as a former tour guide, I had to ask Tom about the kissing arches, which in retrospect may have been a bit forward. I can hear myself blushing as I ask the question. Uh, there's a story that couples would you know, say goodbye or say goodnight at the arches and kiss. Um, did you and Mary Lou ever, ever do that? Well, I'm sure that uh, 
Mary Lou and I displayed our affection on numerous occasions, but I don't really remember that. I should have known that, arches or not, Tom is far too much of a gentleman to ever kiss and tell. I do remember, though, in the, in the basement of uh, Mitchell Hall, there was a, a lunchroom, and coffee was five cents a cup. <laughs> Mitchell Hall is the building right next to the kissing arches. And even adjusting for inflation, five cents a cup sounds like a great deal. Once again, pragmatism wins the day. One of the reasons I was so curious about the kissing arches was that, as Emily discovered in her research before our interview, the University of Delaware started admitting women in 1951, just two years before Tom started teaching there. So the women Tom was teaching were some of the first to graduate from the university. I do remember a time when the top six students in civil engineering were all women, and uh, I was proud of them. Over the years, Tom has had a lot to be proud of. He isn't one to brag, so he didn't even tell us this, but I found out that he eventually became a chairman of the civil engineering department and was an associate dean of engineering for 10 years. And he was named the Delaware Engineer of the Year in 1979 by the Delaware Society of Professional Engineers. As Tom's career continued, he also brought his engineering knowledge to his civic life outside of the university. He sat on the building committee for his church and is still actively involved in his faith community. He also sat on the town building committee for the city of Newark. And this came with a front row seat to some small town government dynamics. All the buildings, it was, uh, they had to be fireproof. But um, I can remember when the, the university wanted to put up a parking lot. The parking lot was pretty fireproof as it could be. But uh, there was a, a bit of a snafu there before they could, the university was able to build a parking lot because the city had an ordinance requiring uh, them to uh, make it fireproof. And uh, I used to laugh and say, well, in Newark, if you wanted to put up a water tower, a steel water tower, it had to be fireproof, which is comical, of course. I was curious if Tom had gotten any insight into the dynamics between the city of Newark and the University of Delaware at these meetings. From Tom's viewpoint, the relationship between the two was mostly cooperative. But there's no denying that being home to a major university has impacts on the health of a city and its residents. It impacts the type of businesses that thrive there. Tom remembers when there used to be grocery stores and hardware stores on Main Street, which is now dominated by businesses that cater more to students, like restaurants and bars. As the university has grown, the need for more student housing off campus has displaced Newark residents, which impacts social support and community health. And there's also the matter of education itself. We know that there's a correlation between education and positive health outcomes. Of course, correlation does not prove causation, but there is research to show that part of the equation is that factors that can lead to negative health outcomes, like for instance poverty, also reduce access to education, which then further widens the gap in overall health. But for the students who were lucky enough to make it into his classroom, Tom has made a lasting impression. I mentioned earlier that Tom's son is also an engineer. He currently works at the Delaware Department of Transportation, and as it turns out, so do a lot of Tom's former students. I talk to him at least once a week, and never a week goes by but what he reminds me that this student or that student or the other student was asking about me. 
And it's not just his former students who keep in touch. Tom still talks with Jordana, one of his former Lori's Hands volunteers, every few weeks. He really is like like one of my, like my best friends. <laughs> He's a hundred. I just I love talking to him. Like something happened with my mom a couple months back and like he'd call me and like ask to like check up on her. Tom is easily one of the best people that I like that I know. And Maggie says that through the time they've spent together and the memories he's shared, Tom's volunteers became invested in his family members too. One of my favorite memories was with Tom and his two students. And they were looking at a photo album together. And as the students looked through the photo album, they were picking out childhood pictures of his children and his family members from years ago. It's just such a testament to how these students were part of his life. And he was so genuine in sharing who he is and and his history with those students. And their relationship um, was just so strong. While he's certainly left a legacy, Tom is also clear that he's not done yet. Do I have any current goals for myself? Oh, yes, I have a great big one. Stay healthy. Live longer. I shouldn't have been surprised at this point that Tom would give such a practical and direct answer. But I also love that what's underneath the simple answer is how much Tom enjoys his life, how comfortable he is with himself, and the great care he takes with everything, including his health. It strikes me that this is one way we could define what engineering is, making complex things clear and elegant and doable. And that Tom has managed to do all of that with one of the most complex things around, his life. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Lori's Hands Community Voices. You can find out more about Lori's Hands at lorishands.org or on social media. Today's episode was produced by Emily Carbaum and me, Jennifer McCord, with production assistance from Allison Jimenez. Editorial guidance from Sarah Lefebvre, Maggie Ratnayaka, and Liz Bonomo. Special thanks again to Tom Brockenborough for sharing his time and stories with us. We invite you to tune in again next week to meet Peggy Neal. Sometimes I made up in a little booklet that would have little sayings that would encourage you. Like if I go out and somebody helps you, say, with your wheelchair or helps you open the door for you, I like to hand them and say, here, this is for you. Until next time, take care of each other.